like to welcome our online viewers. We have people in Vietnam that looks at, a, at our program every Sabbath. We have people from New Zealand who looks at our program every Sabbath. And we even have someone from Israel that looks at our program. And all the folk from the Caribbean, from Trinidad, Barbados, Guyana, South America, we appreciate that you take the time to tune in with us on Sabbaths. But we also want to recognize our wonderful members here at this church and from those who listen to us from Canada and from these United States. Today I want to share a word, and I trust that all of us will listen to this word as the way God would want us to hear it. Let me commence by, I want to hear your voices. Let's read Genesis chapter 12. Read together with me. God told Abraham, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Those who curse you, I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be what? Blessed through you. So Abram left just as God said, and Lot left with him. Abram was how old? Seventy-five years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot with him, along with all the possessions and people they had gotten in Haran. And set out for the land of what? Canaan. And arrived safe and sound. Abram passed through the country as far as Shechem and the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites occupied the land. God appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your children. Abram built an altar. At the place God had appeared to him. He moved one from there to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent between Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. He built an altar there and prayed to God. Abram kept moving steadily, making his way south to the Negev. Father in heaven, only you can share this word. Come now and share with your children. When we think of Abram, some of us will remember how he is mentioned, Elder Wright, in the book of Hebrews. That chapter is referenced among scholars and commoners alike as the hall of faith, F-A-I-T-H. The faithful are mentioned there in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, 
even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By the way, the scripture reading was taken from the message translation. This is how we remember Abraham. But today we will see Abraham maybe in a light we don't want to see him. Genesis 12 tells us that during the time of a famine, Abram took his family and moved down to Egypt. Our message today is entitled, Going Down to Egypt. Egypt, in the Bible, is always presented to us as a type of the world. If someone calls you an Egyptian, it's not something nice. As a Seventh-day Adventist. It was in Egypt that God's children were held captive for over 400 years. And even when they were delivered, the Bible says they still longed for the flesh pots of Egypt. Exodus 16, 3 says, The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. They long for the food of Egypt. Sometimes this may seem trivial to us, but I wonder in our experience, do we sometimes silently yearn for the Egypts we left behind? This has a familiar ring. It seems that regardless of how God blesses us, there is still a part of us that looks longingly to Egypt. We want to sometimes be like, Gladys Knight, midnight train to Georgia. We want to go back to the world he left behind. Egypt in this chapter has some things to tell us. The first thing we need to know is once we are going south, we're going down. No one in the south says they're going south to New York. In New York, we're going down south. Here is Turkey, Syria, south, Israel, Canaan, Jordan, and beneath is Egypt. Egypt is south. Whenever a believer is going down or going south, 
that believer is going downward. Jonah went down to Joppa. Then he went down into the belly of a ship. And then he went down into the belly of a fish. Jonah was running from where God had placed him. And anytime we are running from where God has placed us, we're going down. This trip to Egypt led Abram from the land of promise. The land of Canaan represented what was best for Abram. Canaan was where he was supposed to be. Let me say irrespective as to what you may be experiencing now presently. If this is where God wants you to be, you are in the right place. Genesis 50, verse 18 through 20. Joseph and his brothers. They came and they threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. We're sorry. We sold you into Egypt. But he answered, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? In other words, Joseph was saying, in as much as you rascals were doing me bad, my life was still under God's control. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph was sold into slavery. He caught a case, went to prison, but God used him in Egypt to provide food when there was a famine in the land. Ironically, Abram is going down to Egypt because there is a famine in Canaan. Here is a lesson for us. Sometimes we look at outcomes. We look as to what's happening with us to determine if God is in it. Abram was doing well in Canaan. The Bible says that he built altars. In other words, God's purpose for him was to go among the heathen and let them know who God is. So he was doing what God wanted him to do. But hence a famine. And he ran from the famine to Egypt because Egypt had food. How many of us run from where God wants us to place seemingly because it has what we need? You see, when God brought Abraham in, into Canaan and there was a famine, the famine was not to cause Abraham to run. It was to cause him to recognize God is preparing you for something good. The famine was a sign of preparation and not punishment. 
It was rather to test his faith. He ran away from God's best and indeed from God's test. Real faith will always be tested. If you say you have faith, it has never been tested, keep quiet. Real faith will always be tested. Can't escape it. Canaan and the famine there was simply to test Abraham's faith. God had told him earlier, leave your place and go to this place. And God had given him some promises. One of the things we need to know is that the best place to be is where God wants you to be. Even if it's difficult. Let me pause for a moment because we love outcomes. Have you ever been at a place of labor and because you're catching hell there, you conclude God doesn't want you here? Has that ever happened to you? Well, maybe it's possible. God knows that there's some things you need to learn and that's the only place you can learn them. In this very place of labor that you don't like, God is saying instead of seeing it as a famine, as hardship, why not see it as a place where I want you so I can help you to prepare for something else that is coming? Well, that is not too controversial. What about marriage? How often do people find themselves in a bad situation in marriage. Maybe you have a partner that is not good and you're saying, or others may say, well, you should have never married this person anywhere. Have you ever heard that before? Is it possible that that's exactly who God wanted you to marry? You remember Hosea and Gomer? God told him, go and take a promiscuous woman. Marry her. He obeyed. And after he married her, and they started having a family, every two or three years, she ran away. And God would say, go find your wife, your promiscuous wife, and bring her back. As a matter of fact, scholars are so confused with this story that they think it's just easy to say it's an allegory. It's an easy escape. When you read the Bible, there is nothing allegoric about it. This is God's servant being told by God, I want you to take this kind of person. Is it possible that you may find yourself in a situation and you're running because you're looking as to the farming in the situation where God wants you to say, this is where I want you because there are some things I want to teach you. You can't learn them any other place. This path that Abram took was a downward path. Not only was it a downward path, it was a dishonest path. He decided that he would tell anybody who asked that Sarai was his sister. 
Was he lying? No, he wasn't. But he was being deceptive. There's a difference between lying and deception. Terah, Abram's father, was also Sarai's father. He had married his father's daughter. That's a different sermon altogether. When you read uh, Leviticus chapter 18, different sermon altogether. God says, don't lie with this person. Here we have this man with his sister. So when he said it was his sister, he was telling the truth, but he was being deceptive. Some people don't recognize what God is against. It's not so much the lying, but the deception. Now let me be very clear. We like being in other people's business. Some things don't belong to you. If your family has a situation and somebody come and ask you a question they shouldn't ask you, maybe you have a right not to tell them what it is. It may be for you and God and your family. Not for them. They can call you a liar all they want. It's none of their business. But here was Abram telling a lie because he wanted to deceive Pharaoh. Now some folk read this story and they get it incorrect. Let me make it kind of clear today. When you read the story, you get the impression that everything happened in two days. Abraham walked in. He recognized his wife was fine. They found out she was fine. And he said, when they ask you, just tell me you're my sister. And then somebody told Pharaoh, this beautiful woman came into town. Pharaoh took her to, for his wife, and then God visited Pharaoh, and he told Abraham to go. It didn't happen that way. The very story says that after Pharaoh took Sarah for his wife, he gave Abraham a lot of stuff. Gave him donkeys and cattle and servants. Abraham became wealthy because of the deception. So he must have been saying, this is good. God is not saying it's good. God lets us know so that we do not imitate. So that we can learn what we should not do. Well, the way it went, I want you to go back to Esther. You remember Esther? When Esther was taken as the wife, she just didn't go in to the king. There was a period of what? Preparation. They had to bathe her, certain beauty treatments. Well, it was no different. What Pharaoh did is when he took Sarai to wife, she just joined the harem of wives. He had not slept with her. But she was his wife because she was part of his harem. And the Bible commentators are all over the place when it comes to as to how long Abraham was there. We know he was there for at least two years. It took a while. Now as to what happened, I don't know. I don't know if she snuck out at night to get with Abraham. And then she snuck back in with the harem. I don't know. And I'm not going to venture. What I do know is that Pharaoh never touched her. But somehow, within the time that was passed, word came to Pharaoh by God. 
Leave this woman alone. And Pharaoh decided to kick Abraham out. Well, let's talk about this dishonest path. The Bible says that Pharaoh, that Abraham told a lie. Are we straight with that? Well, he told a lie, but he got his wife to be complicit with the lie. He also got Lot to be complicit with the lie. He also got his servants. Everybody in the group had to carry the lie. So sometimes when we do stuff, it doesn't only affect us individually, it affects the people around us. He became the lie. He, be, he began to live as if Sarah was his sister. He believed the lie to the point whereby he said, well, if they find out that you're my sister, they're going to kill me so they can have you. What was Abraham doing that was so painful in this situation? This is not the father of the faithful here in Genesis 12. What was he doing? Let's go back to what it says in verse 2. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed because of you. Hold it right there for a moment. Abraham said, Sarah, my life is in your hands. That's what he was saying. My life is in your hands. He says that. But earlier God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless people because of you. So Abraham had decided that what God said didn't matter. What he thought is what mattered. Abraham needed to know something we need to know today. Our lives are never in the hands of another man. It's not in the hands of your spouse. It's not in the hands of your children. Your life is in the hands of God. And what Abraham did is that he forgot what God had said. Wait a minute, Abraham. God says he's going to bless you. He says he's going to make the nation great because of you. It hadn't happened yet. You hadn't really realized anything. And you're now telling me that if you don't tell this lie, you're going to die. Do we sometimes say that to God? Forgetting the promises he's given to us. I will make you a great nation. It had not happened yet. Abram was worried about something that could never happen. God says, I'm going to make you great. And you say, Pharaoh is going to kill you. He could not have died at that time because God's promises had not been fulfilled. 
My question to you, what promises has God given to you? That he's told you about. That has not been fulfilled. And you worried about your job. You worried about your family. You worried about your siblings. You worried about your friends. If God made a promise to you, he's going to keep it. God cannot lie. We're the ones. And it's ironic that this father of the faithful in this chapter is not faithful. Have we been like that? I'm encouraged because this is Genesis. And we see God operating in Hebrews. That tells me wherever you are in your Genesis, have faith that God has a Hebrews for you. Someone may look as to where you are now and say you are deceptive, that you're a liar, that you don't trust God. But hold on, God says that just maybe in Hebrews, he has you listed in the hall of faith. This was a downward path. It was a dishonest path. And it was a disappointing path. Why was it disappointing? It's kind of interesting. However long it took when Pharaoh found out, Pharaoh said, go. Imagine the world kicking you out. It's like going to a party that you don't belong. And they figure out you don't belong. And they say, hey, you need to leave. It's one thing to be kicked out of church because you're not behaving. It's another thing to be kicked out of a party because you don't belong. Pharaoh says, just take her and go. Why was it disappointing? It was disappointing because there is no record in Egypt. Watch this closely now. There is no record in Egypt that Abraham built one altar. He built altars in Canaan. So the very place that he went that was in darkness and he needed to be the light. It was disappointing that he didn't reflect the God he served. Matthew tells us that we are the salt of the earth. And we are the light of the world. So if you happen to go to a party you shouldn't be, at least be the salt. At least be the light. You go someplace that you shouldn't be and they bring your food... And you, you pretending you're rubbing your eyes to pray. You don't want them to know you, you're blessing your meal. God says be salt. Be light. Here it was disappointing that Abraham was in Egypt and he built not one altar. And this puts God in a bad place. Lost people never forget a ruined testimony. What do I mean by that? Well, Pharaoh and his imps could say, well, Abraham, it would have been nice if you taught us about the God you serve. You didn't. How do they remember Abraham? When we hear about Peter, 
Do we remember Peter preaching at Pentecost? <laughs> or do we remember Peter denying Christ three times? When we hear of David, do we hear David and bringing the Ark of the Covenant back? Sisalathang. Or do we hear of David and Bathsheba? People remember rude opportunities. When, when, when Abraham should be lifting and building altars, he was deceiving. Abraham no, had no altar, which meant he offered no sacrifices. It's good when people can see us sacrificing unto the God we love. Abraham left God out of the picture. When the child of God lives in the world, the world needs to be brighter as a result of your light. Something is wrong when the child of God enters a room that is dark and the room becomes darker. The room at least had to be lighter. Where is our tent pitched today? Abram went down into Egypt. He took a downward path. He took a dishonest path. And eventually it was disappointing because God was not lifted up. He went down there and he forgot that his life was never in the hands of Pharaoh and his life was never in the hands of his beautiful wife. His life was always under the banner of love that God gave when he says, I will make you a great nation. We've all taken downward paths in life. I don't know about you, I have. We've all taken downward paths. I know that I've not been the light I should have been in those paths. Disappointing to God, not pointing men and women to where they need to be. God is saying to us today, if you happen to go down to Egypt, don't run from where you are thinking the famine, you have food in Egypt. God is saying, where you are is where I need you to be. Because there are things I have to teach you that you would not learn in a place of ease. You see, Canaan was a place of preparation. But Abraham thought it was a place of punishment. And he got Lot, his servants, and everybody involved in his big lie. Where are we living, may I ask? I think we're living in the United States of America. Have you ever heard the big lie? So many Americans have caught up in the big lie. And we think it's a big lie about an election. But the biggest lie of all is that God is not able to save you. That's the biggest lie. That's the lie the devil wants us to believe. The devil wants you to believe that you're so bad. You've gone so far into Egypt that you cannot be rescued. Well, let me conclude with this. And I don't know about you, but you just got to love this God that we serve. As much as Abram messed up, God said, Pharaoh, 
You touch that woman, you're going to be in some serious trouble. You, you see, aren't we lucky that God isn't like us? If, if it were us, I could easily hear somebody saying, you made your bed, you're going to lie in it. Isn't, isn't it wonderful that's not the God we serve? God says, Abram, I love you not because you're obedient. Because it's easy to love people who obey us. God says, I love you in spite of the fact that you have not been obedient. You know why? Because I can see the beginning from the end. I can see Hebrews 11. And what I'm saying to us today, wherever you are, don't look at it as if to say, this is where I'm doomed. Maybe it's a place of preparation because God has some lessons to teach you where you are that you can't learn someplace else. Don't run from the relationship because others are telling you to do that. Don't leave the job because others are telling you God doesn't want you there. Maybe God is saying, you are the salt, you are the light. Bring some salt and bring some light to where you are. And remember that your life is never in the hands of Pharaoh. Your life is never in the hands of Sarai. Abram, your life is in my hands. And I said, I'm going to bless you. And who God blesses, no man can curse. Let us not go down to Egypt because there is a famine in Canaan. God says Canaan is where you're going to be. No matter it may get rough, it may get hard, but this is where I need you to be because you are going to learn patience. You're going to learn that your life is in my hands and no one else. Not in the hands of your employer. Not in the hands of your professor who tells you you're not going to pass. Not in the hands of a police officer who wants to gun you down. Because for us we know one thing. Jesus said he is the resurrection and the life. And when he brings you back to life, no one can kill you then. So this life as it is. Being surrendered to God. Even when another man takes it. He's only taking it for a time. You remember what Jesus said? No man take my life. I lay down of myself. And I will take it up again. Yes we have tragedies. Yes we have parents who are crying. Because their child has been shot dead in the street. Yes we have problems. But we must remember. We are serving a God who is eternal. And Abraham forgot. That the God he's serving is eternal. Let us not go down to Egypt, which is a downward path. Let us not take a disappointing path where we have to include others in our cover-up. Let us not take a dishonest path in that sense. Let us not take a disappointing path whereby we do not witness to others the way we need to. May God help us not to remain in Egypt but to look for a city whose builder and maker is God. Father in heaven, 
Sometimes we find ourselves trying to work things out for ourselves because we think that's all we can do. Help us not to forget your promises. Remind us what you have told us, that you have come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Help us to recognize that a famine is temporary, but we serve a permanent God. May we never allow the famine to be the reason why we run away from the place you have placed us. May we stick with you in Canaan, even though it may get rough and it may get hard. May we remember your promises. Thank you, Father, that this man who was deceptive is the same man who is numbered with the faithful. May we live so we too can be numbered with the faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen.